Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. You turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Guys, I always swore I'd never have that fake pastor voice. Sometimes you get ready to preach, right? And you might just like go down a couple octaves, you know what I mean? And make sure that uh, I never give you that fake pastor voice. In a moment, uh, I should have been ready already. Romans chapter 6. God, thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, thank you for your people whom you love. Father God, this morning, starting with the pastor, Lord God, I pray that you will convict, convince, grow, teach, love, Father God, each one here today through your Holy Spirit, through your word. We are grateful for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to start this morning by reading our passage. This is a high time today. In the as we go through the book of Romans, the second portion of Romans chapter 6 is just a high point in this letter that Paul wrote to this group of believers. Um, we will not do it justice in 30 minutes or so, uh, but we will attempt to hear what the writer is saying. We've asked the Holy Spirit to bless us. I'll start in verse 15. Paul is going to ask another one of these rhetorical questions. And when he does, it's almost like he's a troublemaker. He's going to ask this question. He's going to answer it. And then the rest of the passage, he's going to explain his answer. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness." I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. Here we are. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. 
So again, you see these themes that are threading their way through the book of Romans. And even from chapter 3, when he talks about, when Paul talks about the law, to chapter 4, being very specific about Abraham. Was he justified by faith? Was he justified by works? And we see here, again, uh, and we'll talk about it in a few minutes, this theme of lawlessness. And certainly... Certainly, Paul is using slavery here as uh, to answer this question that he has asked. So remember, he says, what then? You ever do that to your friend? What? What? <laughs> this is Paul. This is Paul. He, he's in this conversation. He's, he's heated. Paul's probably jacked up. Um, I mean, I picture him that way, right? Uh, because he's asking these questions. He did the same thing in Romans 3. He's asking these questions as if someone, he's anticipating someone disagreeing with the word of God, and he's very passionate about the truth of who Jesus is. So he says, what then? He says, shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? So in Romans 6, 1, he says, shall we continue in sin so that we can, so that grace may increase? And he says, may it never be. But this question is, this question is, shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Of course, the answer is very short. Oh, no. <laughs> May it never be. And I thought particularly, um, particularly today, um, when we talk about this topic um, of slavery, and we could talk about the Israelites over 400 years uh, enslaved uh, to the Egyptians, um, but it made it, it a light bulb popped on in, in my small brain. It's a it's a it's not a real bright light sometimes, but I thought there was this lady, and if I'm not mistaken, she was born in 1822. Her name was Harriet Tubman, and you know uh, her nick what her nickname was? Her nickname was Moses, and. I have several thoughts that um, I want to be thoughtful about my amount of words today. But you know, Harriet Tubman was born and raised and lived in Dorchester County, Maryland, um, around Cambridge. Diana and I, we uh, cycle the Blackwater Wildlife Refuge there. And we literally have visited um, the site of her family's home. They do, they even do a tour. You can do a radio guided tour all the way from the eastern, like the whole Underground Railroad. And, and so I'm, I've always been impressed with her, her strength, her physical strength, her strength of character, her faith in Jesus. But then just like I can't say, I want to say it the way we say it in the neighborhood, but it's not fit for church. <laughs> She's just bad, you know? Harriet Tubman escaped. Um, she escaped slavery, and I have to believe that because she she was so um, she was brought up in her faith in God. And, and I like to believe, and and I should do more research that her faith in God and this idea of being enslaved by another human being did not sit right with her because she knows what the Bible said, what the Bible says about slavery and freedom. I believe that she was a true follower of Jesus who knew about spiritual slavery and spiritual freedom and physical slavery and physical freedom. 
do you know that she was not just concerned about her own freedom she was concerned about the freedom of others then the little light bulb got a little brighter and i said you know the apostle paul here in the word of god he was concerned about the spiritual freedom of the people to whom he was writing this letter now listen i i i I had thought about and read just a tiny bit about liberation theology. And you know, it, were I an African-American person, um, and I'm just not, I'm not like ashamed of something or proud of something, I'm, I, I'm just saying, if I were African-American Christian, I would probably like really want to learn more about the roots of liberation theology. Because as someone who cares about theology and the truth of the word of god sometimes we skim over things that are very very important to other people and so so i don't want to overdo it but this woman 13 times she wasn't just concerned about her own freedom 13 times she came back and she got her family and she got her close friends and she took them back to philadelphia to boston and then after the laws changed, she started taking people all the way to Canada so that they could be free from slavery. She was almost killed when she was a child by an act of violence. Um, and, and so this, this woman's life was, was just magnificent. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm searching for the word. I thought I had it earlier. She didn't just care about her own freedom. She cared about the freedom of others. And then... I didn't know the shame on me. I didn't know this till, oh gosh, I'm not going to use this. I didn't know this till I watched the movie, but she lived such a long life. She was involved in the women's suffrage movement. Do you know she was the first woman to command a unit in the army, in the, in the Union Army during the Civil War? Do you know that that battle that I don't remember the name of, shame on me, she took her unit to this battle that freed, that, that winning this battle ended up freeing over 700 slaves. Do you know that in her 13 missions of bringing her friends and family, sneaking them out of slavery into freedom, that she never lost one person. She never lost one person. Hey, guess what? Jesus didn't either. Amen. So, so when I think about when I think about Paul's usage of this, and he says, and you hear him, he says, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Paul's, um, Paul was aware as an Israelite of, of the, the plight of the Jews, his people, when they were enslaved for over 400 years. And God, God set them free. God brought them to spiritual freedom first and then physical freedom after over 400 years of slavery. So what's so important here? Why is Paul, is Paul, does he just keep beating the same drum? Um, I think it's um, a slightly different beat, same drum set, slightly different beat, if you will. And because this is so important to who we are as followers of Jesus. Now, I think of Harriet Tubman and others who experienced, who, um, who experienced slavery. And the Apostle Paul is saying here, there's no in-between. You are, we, each of us, is either 
enslaved to sin or enslaved to Jesus and righteousness. There's no in-between. And I thought about physical slavery and what I've read and what I've seen, observed on television or reading books or listening to people, you know, I bet that's a very, very real statement. That would be a very, very real statement to people in our country and others countries who have experienced real physical slavery. There's no in-between. And Apostle Paul is saying here, there's no in we are enslaved to righteousness or we are enslaved to sin. Remember, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we are either in Adam or we are in Christ. We are either enslaved to sin or enslaved to righteousness in Jesus Christ. So here, another theme to introduce in the book of Romans that we didn't start with, we could have, I missed it, is this whole idea of Paul's theology of in Christ, being in Christ. One, these are my new words, y'all. I'm having fun. One, we need to appropriate these truths. We need to, remember what that means? It means to grab hold of it, to take it, to own it. I need to appropriate these truths. I need to think about them and own them in the deeper sense. And then I need to apply them to my life. So, uh, several things, several things. And um, I will apologize to you ahead of time. Here we go. This freedom from sin, a writer says, uh, is not a freedom. The freedom from sin is not a freedom to sin. That's what Apostle Paul is saying here. I didn't think that up. The law curbs and restrains sin. Paul is emphasizing the freedom and release from the law. So previously we were saying we were in, if we were in Adam, we were in sin, we were going to die separated from God. But then we said the one man, Jesus Christ, all God, all man, if we're in Christ, we have eternal life. Our sins are forgiven. We have new life. Amen. So we are either under the power of sin or we're under the power of God. Paul opens the passage the same way he did in verses 1 through 14, right? The brief interjection. That's the what. What should we say then? What then? Then the rhetorical question, the strong answer, and the lengthy explanation. So um, Douglas Moo is a great theologian who... Uh, I read particularly on Romans says this but Paul sees in God's grace not only a liberating power but a constraining one as well the constraint of a willing obedience that comes from a renewed heart and mind and ultimately the impulse and leading of God's spirit now look as Baptists you know we love Jesus and when Paul says here, when Paul says here um, that he's speaking in human terms, uh, get back here, Charlie. Sorry for being a little slow today. Ah, verse 17. He says, thanks be to God that though you were slaves, you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. The verb there literally means to be handed over. And think about being enslaved. Um, but Paul and, and we as Baptists, we want to say, oh, what is that form of teaching? Well, that must be my salvation because 
because obedience means, you know, I can't earn my salvation, right? Jesus saves me. But let me tell you, there's a real tension here in this verse in Romans chapter 6. Yes, you know what? Paul explicitly, I mean, all through the passage, we know because we've studied Romans 3, Romans 4, Romans 5, right? Salvation is by faith through grace. It cannot be earned. We know that. But look at Paul's wording in verse 17, that form of teaching to which you were committed. And the sentence continues. Look, Paul is the king of run-on sentences. All you grammar people, look, let me tell you. Let me tell all you grammar people what pastors have to do in order to get these eight verse long sentences into a format that we can then understand and preach, right? You don't really care about my little burdens, I know. But he says right after that, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves. So, so Paul is talking about being obedient from the heart to salvation. But don't miss this. I believe subjective, a little more subjective here, but maybe not. Paul is also talking about if I have really been freed from sin and I am enslaved to righteousness, I am going to be obeying the word of God. How do I, why do I think that? Well, guys, look, I'm just jumping back and forth today and I already apologize, so I'm not going to do it anymore. But in verse 19, he says, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. But he says, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, and I love this part, and it's really not funny, resulting in further lawlessness. So my lawlessness resulted in further lawlessness. Separate. I could tell you stories. Today's not the day. I could tell you my sinful stories about how lawlessness results in more lawlessness. But you get it, right? He says, so now present your members. So here we go, that thing from last week, right? We talked about presenting our members as instruments of righteousness. This week he's saying as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. You guys remember, we've talked about sanctification. Um, becoming more like Jesus in my journey as a Christian. Sanctification, set apart for a purpose. That purpose is becoming more like Jesus in my journey. Now, look, I don't think it's a static thing where back in the old days we would have these charts behind us and it would be like I get saved and then I just woohoo become more like Jesus all the way. No, it's more like whoosh. It's more like that roller coaster that scares you, you know. But, but nonetheless, so, so I think Paul really is talking about if I really am no longer enslaved to sin but enslaved to Jesus, it will change my my desires for obedience as well i can't go on sinning in my sinful ways for a time somebody even me myself i'm going to begin to have to have to ask myself some difficult questions about my own salvation look don't anyone leave here doubting your salvation today if you're a follower of jesus but Last week, God convicted me of sinful patterns in my life, and no one offered to take me out to lunch. Um, I offered <laughs> lunch, um, Dunkin' Donuts coffee, lunch, and I would have told you, but no one offered, so <laughs> it's off the table now. But, but God convicted me of, I see patterns. He says, because of the weakness of your flesh, but Paul is challenging the believers here. I, I, he is. Look, I don't have any problem with saying Yes, because it's talking about 
the resulting that obedience that results in a in a in a um, renewed a changed heart and a renewed life. But that's talking about my lifestyle too. Lawlessness and impurity to being forgiven, being for I miss up my hand gestures, being free, um, being free. Freedom in Christ is is by the way, paradoxical. We say at graffiti upside down ministry. Um, it really is, right? Freedom in Christ is being enslaved to freedom in Christ is being enslaved to Christ. Living in righteousness and freedom is being enslaved to Christ. Worked that one for a little bit. So, so he says uh, in verse 20, well, let's talk about his lawlessness because this is not, this is not the first time, right, that we've talked about the law and lawlessness. Remember, he says in 15, the initial question, shall we sin because we're no longer under law, uh, but under grace? In other words, is grace my gold card to do whatever I want? And of course, Paul says, no way. And how do we know that? Um, let's look at chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Sometimes I have a short memory. Maybe you're better than me. We just talked about this a few weeks ago. For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. Verse 20. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Remember, the purpose of the law is to... One of y'all got it last week. Identify sin. Identify sin. <laughs> Thank you. I'm counting on you now. <laughs> to identify sin, to reveal sin, right? Um, so that is one of the main purposes of the law. Grace removes us from under the law. I'm no longer in Adam. I'm no longer bound to this law that there's no way I can obey it completely. There's no way I can fulfill all the requirements of the law. Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the Israelites had to worry about 613 laws, rules. Yeah, that's a lot. I can't remember. I can't remember 10. All, I mean, just give me Exodus chapter 20. I might struggle a little, right? 613, if I remember correctly. 613 or 620. I think it's 613. I'm sticking with my original answer. I'm no longer under the law. What a relief, especially if you were a Jewish person, you would understand what that means. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, he conquered sin and death he, on my behalf. And because of his great love for me, I'm reunited with God and I am set free from being up under the law that there's no way I could keep it. Lawlessness. So now that I'm not under law, can I just do whatever I want? No, no. This righteousness, this sanctification, this justification for which such a high price was paid by Jesus, right? So I desire to please him. I am no longer a slave to sin, but I am a slave to righteousness. So we talk about lawlessness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Now, here he goes, therefore. So we're moving on. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? So I think about outcomes and results. Those are my words for the week this week. Outcomes and results. Here. 
therefore? What benefit was I getting from the way I used to live? I share with you guys um, the benefits that I got. I was addicted to alcohol and cocaine. I was a knucklehead. I broke laws. I almost went to jail a couple times. I wasn't, uh, I, I was a very young husband, so I wasn't a very good husband in the beginning. Uh, I was in active addiction. Those were my benefits. Wow, hey, let's sign up for that, guys. No. So what benefit were you deriving? What was the outcome? Here, Paul tells us, for the outcome of those things is death. Now listen, now a lot of people, their sins are, are not, you know, made for TV movies of uh, addiction and murder and episodes of The Wire and all that good stuff. You know, the sin of someone else might just be the success in their life for which the world applauds and thinks they are great. If it keeps them from Jesus Christ, that is, that is the outcome of their uh, lawlessness. It would simply be uh, the things they desire more than they desire Jesus. So maybe your story isn't a couple episodes of The Wire, but before you knew Christ, who drove? Who, who was in the driver's seat, right? Um, and I thought about that this week. What benefit were you deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? The outcome, the outcome of not knowing Jesus, the outcome of great success, but not knowing Jesus is death. The outcome of being famous or wealthy and not knowing Jesus is death. The outcome of being a good person, having a nice family, raising good kids and having a good job. I mean, it's, could be pretty cool while you're here, but the outcome, hey, we've heard louder, but the outcome apart from Jesus is death. And so I thought about, that's pretty serious, right? And he, and he continues, um, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, that past perfect verb means that that, that verb is important there. It means that something that happened in your past is still impacting your life today and will continue to impact your life in the future for eternity. So you, having been freed from enslavement to sin, is something that took place when you came to know Christ, when you obeyed, uh, obedience form of that form of teaching and the impact of that goes on for eternity having been freed from sin and enslaved to Christ this is something that you will live in remember in uh, Romans chapter 5 and we stand in this grace this was the present that was the present uh, that continues into the future. You will always stand in the grace of God because of Jesus Christ. You have been freed from sin forever because of Jesus. Therefore, no longer live that lawless lifestyle that you used to live. Why? You've been freed from it. Live in the truth. So, so appropriate the truth and then apply the truth. I'm speaking to myself, not you. I don't want the lightning to strike here in the, in the middle of my tent. Okay, and then what is the result of doing that? Now we're going to talk about a different result in verse 22. Here's a different result. Resulting, um, 
in sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, being set apart for God's purposes, and the outcome of that, the outcome of your sanctification, the result of your sanctification, wow, I almost said that really wrongly. Back up. Pretend I didn't say that. There we go. Whew, that was scary. The result of you being enslaved to Jesus and no longer being enslaved to sin, the results of that are your sanctification and eternal life. The rest of this life, you and I, our goal, our desire is to grow closer to and become more like Jesus for his glory and so others come to know him. But the result of that, the outcome of that is you becoming more like Jesus and have an eternal life. Wow. So we talk about outcomes and results here in these last couple of verses. And then Paul says it, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He ends the chapter on a high note. We're going to continue next week in Romans chapter 7. Y'all think I'm a mess. Wait till I get into Romans chapter 7. One of my favorite, and there's a little bit of controversy there that we're going to deal with that I hope we all appreciate. It is important. Um, but Romans chapter 7 is, is um, of course, every week I say it's pivotal, right? Y'all are going to stop. Don't stop believing me. But, but here, Paul ends on a high note. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This idea of the free gift. You know, Paul says that in verse 15 of chapter 5, but the free gift is not like the transgression, right? He says, um, how are we justified? How are we acquitted of our sins and made right with God? How this justification takes place by faith through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul ends on the high note here. What do I earn if left to my own devices? What's the outcome? The wages of sin is death. But this free gift, and don't forget, a high price was paid. The high price was paid in order for you and I to have access, to have this free gift. But for us, it's a free gift so that no man can claim that he earned it. Amen, right? Results in eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So how, how, do, I, how do I apply that truth in my life this week. You know, sometimes when I slow down and I get alone for a few minutes, I like to, I really do, I like to confess my sins, but now I look, I'm looking for those patterns of disobedience in my life. And I'm not saying like, don't beat yourself down, don't go home discouraged, but, but how do I apply this? Now that I'm in Christ and I've been freed from sin, why do I keep messing around over here with this? Why do I have this attitude? And there's a multitude of reasons. There are. Um, why, am I, why am I muddling around over here playing with addiction? Why, why is this anger that I have so important for me to keep? What, what is this, this pattern of, of the flesh that Charlie has to deal with? Why? So that I bring more glory to God. So that 
this process of sanctification continues in my life. Why? Because other people are watching me and need to know Jesus. Because God deserves, God deserves um, our life that points back to him. Because I'll have joy and peace in my life if I'm living in obedience. If I'm living in the truth, which I'm appropriating, which I'm making my own, if I'm living in the truth of this freedom or being enslaved to Christ or being enslaved to righteousness, it should change um, um, those sinful patterns in my life. Confess it, forsake it, move on. Oh, it sounds so easy, doesn't it? But you know it's not. So how do I apply that? You know, I get alone with the Lord. I look at myself and not other people. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about what's wrong with the world today. Uh, I swear, I keep threatening. I've done a couple 60-day social media fasts. Um, I keep threatening to just delete the apps from my phone, man, and, and delete these accounts altogether. I don't need to keep looking at what's wrong with the whole. We need to be informed followers of Jesus. We need to be informed um, and speak intelligently for Christ in our culture. Don't misunderstand me. But you know what? I need to spend some time dealing with me. What's wrong with me? I can't fix the world. God can fix the world. And we talked about how God will deal with all unrighteousness and all disobedience, right? Romans chapter 1, that's where we started. So I think some of us, and maybe I'm just preaching to me, need to relieve myself of that burden and sit down and make some application from the Word of God to my own heart and to my own life. I'm not assuming you don't do that. I'm assuming you do that, and I'm encouraging you to do that. But hear the Word of God today, my friend. The wages of sin is death, but the, gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be certain of your salvation, and if you're not, come and talk to me. Pray with me. Let's talk about that. But brothers and sisters, we need to appropriate the truth that we are free that we are free. We need to live and walk in that freedom. Some of you may need to just give yourself a break. You are a child of God, freed from Adam, freed from sin. Um, this, this being enslaved to righteousness in Jesus is the most freedom I've ever had in my life. Maybe you just need to live in that and have some joy this week. Have some peace. Enjoy your freedom in Christ as well, as my friend John Piper would say. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll close. And if you'd like to come and pray or want to share a word with me afterwards, uh, I'll hang around here. And, uh, uh, thank Jason for coming today and leading us in worship. Um, they'll come after I pray, I hope, and, uh, and sing something else. Amen.